0: of familiar faces. Brother Titus, good to see you. A lot of folks here have driven a long, long ways to come, and I sure do pray that when you go home that you'll be blessed, lifted up. The few moments that we've already been here tonight has been certainly a strength and encouragement. Brother Ginn, where are you? There you are, brother. I want to tell you I love you tonight. Thank you for the encouragement as I look around tonight and see all these fathers in the faith and fathers in the ministry it sure does uh, humble me tonight to be up here but uh, I thank you brother Clark for the opportunity in faith church uh, that you gave us to come and And to bring a message i've got an old hard message tonight to preach and i've tried to ask the lord to help me to preach this message in in the way that would honor and glorify him i don't know why it is but it seems like a lot of times uh, the lord uh, gives me these old hard messages It hurts us to preach them, but I promised him I'd preach them when he called me. Now, brother Joe, you need to pray for this old brother yours. I guess the spirit of this meeting has been, as Brother Clark indicated and as Brother again preached tonight. I was really worried about the message, Brother Clark, I've been so worried about it. After you called me and invited me to come, I began to pray. And the Lord began to deal my heart about the message that he wanted us to bring. And well, at, at first I thought, well, that, that, won't, be, that won't be any problem, I, I can handle that. But the closer the day got, and then all day to day, uh, I was trying to shake my head at the Lord, but I remember the promise that he gave me and the promise and the commitment that I made to him. Uh, you know, I even get to the place, I don't know whether any rescue preachers like this or not. Brother Jerry, I don't know whether you get like this or not, but sometimes I just wish the Lord hadn't called me to preach. But he did, and most of the time I'm glad that he did. But tonight... I want to say something tonight uh, as the Lord would enable me and help me to do it that would honor and glorify my master. It may not sit too good with some of my brethren, some of my sisters, but the Lord will take care of that part of it tonight. My text tonight is in the book of James. The book of James, chapter 1. I don't guess you really need a subject if you've got a message. You know what I'm saying? Lord gives you a message. I don't guess you necessarily need a subject. You just preach the message. Uh, Anybody that knows me very well and knows that I'm, I'm not too much on homiletics the Lord first called me to preach I thought that was something to eat (laughs) how about you brother Hancock so I I don't have for you brethren who like uh, these quaint little outlines I may not have that too good tonight but I believe I have a message that the Lord has for us tonight and I certainly do covet your prayers tonight that the Lord would enable us to preach it in the spirit of the Lord. That I would preach it in such a way as the the Lord might open your hearts that you would receive it. Amen. I believe the first and most important one tonight to be right with the Lord and in the spirit of the Lord is is myself. I'm more concerned about me than I am anybody else, to the honest truth. I don't mean that in a conceited way, but I know I need to be right to try to preach this message, and I know I need to be in the Spirit of the Lord. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to please stand in reverence to God's Word as we read it together. Let's begin our reading tonight in James chapter 1, and beginning at verse number 17. 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, I think that before we finish this message, you'll understand why I've read these verses. <laughs> Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I'm going to read some more verses here, but I want you to pay particular attention to that 22nd verse because I'm going to be preaching from that verse of Scripture where he said, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Maybe we might could just to give you an idea as to where we might be headed tonight. To say that we're going to be preaching, I believe, upon self-deceivers. The scripture says, if you are a hearer only, that you have deceived yourself. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Please be seated. And let's talk to our Lord before we try to preach. Our God and Father, we bow before you once more, and we want to thank you for another privilege that you've given us to stand before your people, and Lord, try to be a mouthpiece for you. Lord, you know that we need you tonight. We need you every hour. But, Lord, tonight, as we stand in this place, how we realize how bad that we need you. We ask you now that you might clothe us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And, God, I pray that you might anoint us, that you might give us the auction that we need. And, oh, God, I pray that you might uphold us with your holy arm. And, Lord, I pray you take the message from these lips of mine that you have given us. May we impart the message that you've given us. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us, Lord, uh, that we might be as bold as a lion. But, Lord, make us as meek as a lamb. Lord, I pray now that your will shall be done and your people, Father, shall, shall hear your message. <clears throat> Lord, we know that you shall accomplish with it whereunto unto that you've sent it. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake, amen. So I was listening to Brother Ginn there a moment ago, it reminded me of this afternoon after I got home from work. And I sat down there at the desk at home in my study with my heart heavy and thinking upon the message and thinking upon my life and thinking upon uh, the church where I pastor and upon the field of labor that the Lord has given us. And I thought of that passage of scripture that's found in the book of Isaiah chapter number 28 and verse 11 and 12 where the question was asked, Watchman, what of the night? watchman what of the night and isaiah answered and said the morning cometh and also the night if ye will inquire inquire ye return come you know what he was saying now in that day and time it was a dark day when isaiah lived and when he prophesied it was a dark day for sure Days were dark for Israel in those days. But we're living in a dark day. You know what, you know what he said in, in when, he, when he responded? He said, the morning cometh and also the night. Did you ever sit with anybody at night when they were very sick? Maybe in the hospital or at home? And every so often you'd say to yourself, I wonder if it's ever going to get light.
1: Yeah.
0: It seemed like the night was so long. Yeah. And every little bit you'd look out and wonder if it was ever going to get daylight. you feel like you'd feel better if it just hurry up and get daylight. Yeah. You ever feel like that, Brother Titus? Yeah. We're living in days like that. Yeah. Trouble on every hand. Yeah. Trouble and heartbreak on the outside and on the inside. Oh, brethren, tonight I trust that when you go back home that you'll be strengthened. For I know that it's dark where you are. I know there's trouble on every hand where you are. But I trust that by coming to this meeting that the Lord will do something for you and strengthen you. That you just keep on keeping on when you go back. What Isaiah said was, yes, the morning will break, but the night will come again. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be a little light for a little while, but it's going to get dark again. That's what he said right here. Now I'm not preaching tonight upon the condition of this old world and the condition that our churches may have gotten in. But it's a dismal picture to us, service of the Lord and to the children of God. It certainly is. From the, I guess from a material viewpoint, the future is terribly dark. We had time to go into that tonight, but we don't. It certainly is dark. But there's... There's something that we know, don't we, about the, about the future. Even in this time tonight, before we get to this message, and I want to lay this foundation and say, even though we know the day is dark, even though we know that trouble is on every hand, Brother Gann is so troubled about the area up there where he works, and we see these things slipping in, and, and we know that we're living in those times when, when there's a great falling away. The Lord promised that there would be a great falling away. I believe we're living in those days. I believe we're living in that dark time. I'm not a prophet tonight, but I, I believe I can discern the face of the sky. Yeah. Yeah. But in these perilous days, the Bible will continue to be our resource. Amen. Amen. After that, Paul had described the apostasy to Timothy that would be coming upon this whole world in the last days. He says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. I want to thank you again, Brother Ginn, tonight for encouraging us who are younger than you. I'm not so young, but I'm maybe a little younger than you. And all of us younger ones that are taking up the mantle, you've cast the mantle, many of you, upon our shoulders. I thank you for that good instruction tonight, for that good, sound teaching tonight that we need. That's what Timothy, or Paul, was doing with Timothy here, knowing that his days were numbered and soon to end. I thank the Lord for that. The Scriptures is our only hope tonight. It's our only resource tonight. Did not Jesus tell us, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away? I read one day this little poem. Last eve I stood beside the blacksmith's door and heard the anvil ring, the vesper chime. Then looking in I saw upon the floor old hammers worn with beating years of time. How many anvils have you had, said I, to wear and batter these hammers so? Only one, said he, the anvil wears their hammers out, you know. And so I fought the anvil of God's word, for ages skeptics' blows have beat upon. And though the sound of falling blows was heard, the anvil is unhurt. The hammers are gone. Our resource tonight, brethren, is the word of God. Stay with it. Hang on to it, even in a dark day. And something else, the gospel of Jesus Christ will continue triumphant. The gospel, I know that people say, and you've heard it said, and that's what's being said by the modernists and by uh, the liberals of our day, that I'm not talking about those outside. I'm talking about Baptists tonight. They say the gospel does not interest people as it once did, that you've got to give them something else. It's not the old gospel that's lost its power. It's our ministries that's lost the power. It's our ministries that are powerless. You know, I believe that God, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this tonight, I believe that God does not bless a ministry. I believe he blesses the man. He calls the man and he blesses the man. You may disagree, but that's all right. I've been disagreed with before, but I'm going to say that and believe it tonight. God calls a man, and he blesses the man. But our ministers, many of us, that includes me tonight, I believe have lost the power. We find here in this pasture of Scripture... As we try to lay the foundation, I think you know where we're headed here tonight as we look upon this of scripture, self-deceivers, self-deceivers. There's two extremes in religion. Let me use the word religion tonight. I don't want to use it loosely. To a lot of us, it's not a good word because it's very broad. The word religion is a very broad word. It actually means. The outward expression of an inward belief. That's what religion is. So when I use it tonight, that's what I mean. I may be using it frequently in the message, but that's what I mean. The outward expression of an inward belief. There's two extremes today in religion. In our religion. Equally false and equally fatal. There are two classes of People who occupy these two extremes. The first class make religion to consist altogether of belief in certain abstract doctrines, which they call the faith, and lay little stress, little or no stress, upon. Works. The other class make religion to consist altogether in good works, or we should we say dead works, and lay little or no stress upon faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Jews in Christ day and before and after belong generally to this last-mentioned class. Their religion, their teachers, their religious teachers, they taught them that they would be saved by obedience to the ceremonial law. Therefore, when Paul began to preach, he seems to have attacked more especially this era among the Jews. You know anything about Paul and his preaching and all his writings and his preaching? You know that Paul really attacked that. He was determined to carry the, the main question that men are justified by faith in Jesus Christ in opposition to the doctrine of the scribes and Pharisees that salvation is in a, by obedience to the law. He fought that all, all of his life, and rightly so. But we certainly believe tonight that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. That's what he said oft, oftentimes. We preach that tonight too and believe that. And I believe that you do. And he pressed this point so earnestly in his preaching and in his epistles that he settled the faith of the church in the great doctrine of justification by faith. And then, the great, and then there, were certain, uh, there were certain individuals in the church in that day and time who laid hold of this great doctrine and carried it to the opposite extreme. They still live today. They maintain that men are saved by faith altogether, irrespective of works of any kind. We need to read the book of James. They overlook the plain principles that genuine faith always results in good works. Those who make religion consist all together in good works overlook the fact that works themselves are not acceptable to God unless they proceed from faith. Amen. 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 And those who make religion consist all together in doctrine overlook the fact that true faith always works by love and invariably produces the works of love. Amen. Amen. Brother Ginn, preach that. They are equally fatal because on one hand without faith persons cannot be pardoned or justified and on the other without sanctification they cannot be fitted either for the appointments or the enjoyments of heaven. We Baptists have been titled and been tagged as those who preach that you can be saved, eternally saved and then you can live like you want to. Well there's a, a, in a sense that's true But in another sense, and in the sense in which most people speak it, it is not true. It appears that the Apostle James in this epistle, at least to me, designed to put this matter upon the right ground, and to show exactly where the truth lay, and to explain the necessity and the reason of the necessity of both faith and works. This epistle is a very practical one. James is a very practical apostle, writer a very practical writer, preacher. We preachers and pastors need to be practical. Yes, Yes, we need to be sound in doctrine, solid, backbone like a saw log. because you're going to be, as Brother Ginn said, you're going to be opposed on every hand. More so in this day and time and further as we go. In the future, it'll get no easier. It'll get harder and harder and harder as we go. But at the same time, we need to be practical. Doctrines are of two classes. Those which refer to God and those which refer to human practice. Somebody say amen. Doctrines are of two kinds, two classes. Those that refer to God, which involve those great and eternal uh, uh, teachings that we believe and that we stand upon but there's also doctrine which is practical which has to do with human practice. And I believe that we're living in a day and in a time because we're living in such a permissive society and such a worldly society that the world is getting in the church and the church is in the world. And we like, and I'm going to be preaching along this line, and God help me that. I can't preach it in 15 minutes. I'm going to tell you that right now. But I want to say tonight, and I believe with all my heart, there's two classes, and I'm going to call them hypocrites. Play actors. That's what the word hypocrite means. Play actors. Now, I, I, I'm not going to... I said there was two classes. There's those that deceive others. There's one class of hypocrites that they deceive others. And then there's another class that deceive themselves. And the ones that I want to preach upon tonight is the one that James used in this particular verse who are deceivers of themselves. One class of hypocrites are those under an outside shell of Morality and religion cover up the enmity of their hearts against God and lead others to think that they are very pious. They deceive others. There's a lot of those around. They are deceivers. And they deceive. They deceive others. But then the Pharisees obtained a reputation of being remarkably pious by their outside show of religion. Jesus in the 23rd chapter of the book of Matthew preached the scorchingest matches that I've ever heard or read in my life. Twelve times in the 23rd chapter of the book of Matthew Jesus called them hypocrites. He evidently was talking to lost people because when he wound it up He said, he called a generation of bopers that was headed for hell, to put it in country language. These people are orthodox in their sentiment, but loose in their practice, the ones that deceive themselves. That's the other class. They know the word. They know the truth. They're sound in doctrine, but they are loose in practice. Let me read this verse now so you'll follow me and you'll understand where I'm headed tonight. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. They love orthodox preaching and take great pleasure in hearing the abstract doctrines of the religion. When I say abstract, I'm talking about those that refer to God. The doctrines, my dear friend, of election unto salvation. The sovereignty of God. Yeah. The total depravity of man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Limited atonement. Yeah. Particular redemption, if you'd like let me say that. Yeah. 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 So on and so forth. All of these have to do with God, and they're abstract doctrines, and they and we love them and we preach them, and we can sit under those, brother, and say amen. But when you get off on that practical uh, doctrine which has to do with human practice, we don't like that. Perhaps there are some present tonight of both of these clashes of hypocrites. I don't know, Brother Clark. You'll have to apologize for me, I guess, when I'm I'm done. But I'm not going to preach to those of you who by great strictness of morals and outside your religion deceive others, I'm going to address you that might be here tonight who do not practice what you preach. You have deceived your own self. You hear the word and believe it in theory while you deny it in practice. Here in the Word of God tonight, we have the express Thus saith the Lord for it, that all such characters are self-deceivers. I might quote a number of other passages of Scripture, but I think what I'd like to do tonight is just call your attention to some considerations along this line. In the first place, those of you who have deceived yourselves, those of you who, who believe these abstract doctrines, but you don't practice it, you have deceived yourself, In the first place, you do not really believe the Word. You hear it and admit it to be true, but you do not truly believe it. And here let me say that persons themselves are liable to deception on this point. Not that their consciences deceive them, but that they do not understand what their conscience tells them. They know that something is wrong, They know that something is not totally right within themselves, but they don't even question the fact because they love these doctrines. Two things are indispensable to saving faith. The first is intellectual conviction of the truth of a thing. You've got to hear the gospel and you've got to believe that. And then true faith includes a corresponding state of heart. That's where I'm going to get you. Not just to hear the truth and believe it, accept it. You can believe a lot of things and not have any faith in it. You can believe a lot of things and not practice it. If you really believe it. I used to tell this story, and I'm going to call to do it now, even though I don't have the time to do it. Oh, I've got to put it down. Maybe you don't have the time. To do it. <laughs> I used to tell that I heard this, Brother Clark, many years ago, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell it right here. I'm going to come down here. I'll call down somebody pick me up. pick me up. It was so many. you won't never forget that in week. Wrote that one down in your mind there. All right. That's good. God gave it to me. Maybe he gave it to you tonight. But I believe the conduct always follows the real faith. Men will act as they believe. Suppose I say to a man, do you, do you believe so and so? Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe that. What does he mean? When he says he believes that, what does he mean? a mere intellectual conviction. Yeah, I believe the truth of that. He may have that and yet not really have any confidence in that. Don't you see? It won't affect his actions. I'm trying to draw you a picture tonight of the truth that James taught in this book and that we as Baptists and preachers need to get back to because our churches, our church rose are filled with names of individuals who are self-deceived. Amen, brother. Amen. You can meet them on the street and you can ask them if they are slaves the great If they say that Jesus died on the cross, if Jesus died for them, and they say, Yes, sir, I believe that. But they don't practice it. Amen.
1: Amen. Grandma and grandpa. They
0: got their children grandchildren and and they hadn't darkened the door Oh, yeah, they were saved back there sometime 40, 50 years ago. Uh, but they hadn't darkened the door of the church, my dear friends, since they instance, got baptized. I'm gonna tell you what I think. I think they were self-deceived. Amen. He did treat them like lost people. Amen. The rational mind is so constituted that it naturally and necessarily approves of truth when it's viewed abstractly. If it don't influence me or don't pressure me with any responsibility, yes, sir, I believe that. That's right, that's right. And that's the kind of preaching that we're doing in our Baptist churches in this day and time. Amen. Amen. You can set out that kind of preaching every Sunday night. God said He said it. He, yeah. said it. he heart, that it. Yeah. Amen. I don't know about that now. I don't know whether that's coming to I don't know whether I to see him. I don't know what I can do this or do that. Now you see what I'm talking about, don't you? Brother Clark and all these other the preachers here are experiencing the same things. My dear friends, and we're experiencing it more and more and more in this day and time. Self-deceivers. Yeah. The reason why wicked men and devils hate God is because they see Him in relation to themselves. They believe the doctrines is like you do. The Bible says the devils believe in trouble. Amen. But the reason they hate God is because they see that in relation to themselves. And when you preach that A message and preach a doctrine that that has a personal application uh, to good and practical work to to a church member, they might rise up against that. Oh, they like them abstract doctrines. Man, yeah. I can say amen all day long. Some of them down and shout and jump over the seats, brother, all day long. And I believe these truths. And they ought to be preached. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, if that's all the ministry that we've got. We are missionary Baptists. Yeah. Here is the source of a grand illusion among men in regard to religion. They see it to be true, and they really rejoice in contemplating upon it. They do not enter into its relationship to themselves, however. This is why they come in on Sunday morning at my church. I don't know about how much there's no lack of faith or these other churches. But they come in on Sunday morning, and I've got 17 or 18 of my church members here tonight. And I pray in the name of God for
1: them.
0: I'm telling you, Brother Clark, I'm not preaching anything up here that they hadn't already heard. Come into the church on Sunday morning and sit down if we preach it, these abstract doctrines and they will never be moved. They'll never be convicted of anything. They'll never feel any responsibility to do anything with it. That's why they can come in, they can shout, they can sing, they can have a wonderful high whole time in the house of God. But when they leave the house of God, they go right back in their own way. Why? Because we have not preached to practice. Person is self-deceived. In view of Christ as a kind of a kind and tender Savior, a person's heart can be melted. He feels strong emotions and approbation towards becoming, and you can preach on the sufferings of Christ. You can preach on some of these doctrines and they'll be moved to tears. Oh, move. Because these great abstract doctrines will move you, brother. they're moved emotionally only they're not moved to practice he loves it love to hear it likes to be fed isn't that the terminology we like to use brother we want to be fed when we go to God's mouth and when we say fed we're talking about abstract doctrine. come on now you preacher you You know that's right. Oh, we want to be fed. Yeah. 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 Ah, yes, sir. But I'm going to tell you one thing, brother. If I went to mama's table every time and I was hungry and she had the same thing to eat, I'm going to tell you this little story.
1: <laughs>
0: Jesus gave illustrations. It's all right to give illustration. ain't hey, it, brother? On, you back me up in this. All right. I heard an old Indian preacher preach this one time, I'm calling the Indians in that. <laughs> His name was Brother Locke, Jane Locke. But anyway, I heard him tell, he said, when I was a kid, growing up, of course, all of us Indians were poor, didn't have much to eat, and when we had something, we had lots of it. And he said, he said he'd come in and, and
1: he said he come in and
0: and, and had beans." tonight, but it, it, it says what I'm trying to say tonight in an amusing way. There's more to eat. There's more to feed your people upon. There's more nourishment for them to receive than just abstract doctrines. They need to learn, but your friends, that these abstract doctrines will lead us. By faith itself, true faith, works by love and produces corresponding action. There's no real obedience unless it's an obedience that's from the heart. Love is the fulfilling of the law. And religion consists in the obedience of the heart. We said that religion, and I've said that in particular, so you that religion is the expression, outward expression, of an inward belief. There's a lot of folks that call themselves bad they ain't got no the
1: religion.
0: They never have to admit no outward expression of an inward belief. They say they believe it, but there's no outward expression. No obedience. This is the reason why it's often so difficult to convince sinners in our church that they are opposed to God and his truth. No, I believe those abstract doctors. Yes, you can believe them. But if they don't don't lead you to practice, you're self-deceived. All right, we must hasten now. Our time is long gone. They took it for granted. They take it for granted that they are Christians. Because they can hear these sound doctrinal messages that's preaching and approve of it. But when you start talking about human practice, that preacher has quit preaching. Boy, he used to preach them old doctrines. Come on now. He used to preach him old doctrines. Now he's preaching this foolishness stuff. Yeah, he's fanatical now. He, hes about high at Pentecost, huh? He don't even sound like a Baptist. He's sounding more like Pentecost all the time. I'm gonna tell you one thing, brother. You can call me a holy roller or a hell roller, I don't care. But I, brother, roll out and rock that amen. I about no. all right I, I promise you I'm headed for a, to, a, to a conclusion here and I and, and that just brings this point up let's just make some conclusions here what 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 is the result of this great injury has been done by false representations regarding the wicked practices of some so-called Christians They call themselves Christians. They call themselves Baptist church members, but they live like the devil. But that's Mama's little boy, or that's Grandpa's little granddaughter, or whatever. He can't afford to. Well, I better get off of that i know that they're saved i, I remember uh, that I, I know that they were saved now, i'm not saying you can't be saved and in, in rebellion against god i'm not saying that at all but you certainly can but well, i'll tell you one thing i don't believe you can stay there very long Amen. Amen. Let, let, maybe i better say something about that you remember you remember jesus on one occasion luke chapter 13 gave this parable About this guy that had this vineyard, and he goes in there, and, and of course anybody that's got a vineyard, you plant these trees, these big trees, and when you plant that tree, you plant it with with the intention of, of harvesting fruit off of it. You see where I'm heading on this? When the Lord plants this tree, He expects when He comes back around to have some fruit on
1: it. Yes. But well, when the husband comes
0: into the into the, there were the trees in that and there's one tree there that don't have any fruit on it. Yeah. And
1: what did he take in the director of the garden there? I've thrown that. What did they do with it? it
0: down. Yeah. Why cover it the ground. Yeah,
1: right. Why are you taking all
0: the time and the pain to it? It's not bad, any fruit. What's the best thing to do with a tree if you've got it in your garden occupying space? And occupying soil and ground, what's the best if it ain't gonna bear any fruit? And that's what the trees are there for. It's not productive, it don't pay off. What's the best thing to do with that thing? I don't guess I have to say anything else on that then, do it. We understand that, don't we? All right. Trees bring forth fruit, but God's people truly saved by the grace of God.